the podcast for solopreneurs by solopreneurs. Here we celebrate, commiserate, and problem solve all the world's craziness that comes with building a business on your own terms. I'm Marilyn Johnson, a supplier development and supplier diversity consultant. And And I'm Sarah Winston, executive coach and leadership consultant. And we are the solo CEOs. Yay. And we are so happy that you're joining us today, y'all. We have such a treat. Marilyn, who do we have that we're sharing with the team today? Today, we have Miss Ramona Thomas. It is such a pleasure to have you on the podcast today, Ramona. Thank you for taking time out. Um, let's just get right into it. Ramona, will you please tell everybody all the things that you're doing, title and everything, and then we'll get into detail, but share with our listeners just where you are and what you do. Sure, Marilyn and Tara, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am Ramona Thomas. I actually am a financial advisor in the New York City area. So I work with clients around comprehensive financial planning and investment advice. I really love helping people invest and figure out how to put their money to work for them. Um, I This is my third career. So how I came to this career, people often ask. Um, I spent 18 years in the nonprofit sector, mostly in philanthropy, and really loved giving away money. I did that mostly in education, and it just really kind of fits who I am in terms of giving to good causes. But I got to a point in my career where I really wanted to do something different. And it didn't hit me until I started my business. That was my second career that I had been entrepreneurial in my career in philanthropy. I was always hired to do the new thing. So I was hired to start the new grant program or the new department. And in my last position, before I started my business, I was actually hired to co-found and, and start a new venture philanthropy firm. So when I started my business, it hit me, you know, you've been kind of starting new things for most of your career. Um, so me starting a business, um, while it shocked some people, it wasn't such a surprise to me. And I went on to run an award-winning chocolate business, which I ran for eight years before transitioning into what I do right now. So can we pause right there and just sure. let our audience know, award-winning? She said that real real smooth, like, oh, just a little award-winning yeah. chocolate business I started. <laughs> right, but listeners, please hear loud and clear. Ramona didn't get to where she is today by just starting there. This is a journey and we, we always talk about solopreneurism and entrepreneurism is a journey. It is not a one-shot deal. We're gonna dig deeper into Ramona's journey because there's so many lessons. I mean, oh my God, there's so many lessons to learn but I just had to selfishly say award-winning because this lady, she's the real deal. She has a lot to share with you and she, she does everything to the nth degree. Like, top degree. So with that said, I know I stopped you, Ramona, but I just had to stop you a bit because we want to shout praises for all the things that you're doing with financial planning as, as where you are right now, but you are an evolving person. And 10 years from now, you might be doing a whole lot of other different things because I know somebody as creative as yourself, you just aren't are satisfied resting at one spot. So with that said, let's talk about 
what's the top three highs of running a business? And it's kind of different simply because you've been in leadership positions with other organizations, you run your your organization, and now you're running yet another different type. And I know people have a hard time trying to leap between each one. Can you talk about some of the links and then some of the highs? Yeah, I think for me, it's always been important to do the things that I love. I think we've all been in jobs or positions or roles that just we knew it wasn't right, right? You get mm -hmm. to the elevator bank in the morning, your stomach starts turning because you hate being at that place. And sometimes we blame it on the supervisor or the company, but it's usually because we just don't really love the work. There's something about the work we don't love. And so I think for me, at once I realized the things that I really like to do, the things that I was really good at, I for me, it was like, okay, it's a natural thing to, to kind of gravitate to the things that make sense to me. I should tell you, I, I'm a math person. I'm very analytical. Even when I try not to, I'm analyzing <laughs> everything. So mm -hmm. for me to be in an industry or field where, you know, um, precision is important, details, like those things really matter to me. So understanding the kinds of skills that I'm good at and that I like to use, it took me a long time to get there. I probably was like in my late thirties before I figured it out. But when I started my business, the things that I loved about it, sort of the one of the highs, and I'll kind of weave the answers to your, your two questions is, I just loved the space in this station in life. Like I love the flexibility. I love, so when I started my chocolate business, what people didn't know is I had been baking for like 20 years. I was the one who was bringing, you know, baskets of sweets to work or cake or, you know, cookies to grad school. Cause I really loved baking from scratch and I read labels. So when I started my business, it was all natural chocolate. It was, I felt so at home in the kitchen. That was how I actually came to start the business. I had taken a pastry class just for fun and being in the commercial kitchen, my spirit felt at home. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, pastry chefs get to do this every day. And I couldn't think about anything else. And so for the next few months, I worked on a business plan. I was taking classes and just really trying to perfect the craft. And, and so, you know, the business was going to be a bakery business until I took my first chocolate class. And I just, I fell in love with it. It was instant, which made sense because I've always loved candy, you know, from a kid. So the business ended up becoming a sweets business, mostly focused on chocolate. But what really resonated with me in, in addition to I love sweets and have a sweet tooth was really the creative part of it. Because I felt like up until that point in my life, I'd spent my entire career focusing on the analytical research left brain side. And while I had tried to develop the creative side, you know, I had learned how to sew and, okay. you know, you try to take different classes. I'm not really good at singing or playing an instrument or sports or anything like that. I felt like there was a part of me that was still underdeveloped. And so when I found like, oh yes, I'm going to run this business, it allowed me to really um, let my creative side flourish and to do things that I had only really dreamed about. So one of the highs for me and running the business was just sort of that space to create mm -hmm. and to think of something new and to think about how I would be different in the marketplace to do the research. I was still doing things that I loved, but it was in a different way. Um, you know, just the flexibility too, when you're a solo, solopreneur, solo C CEO, you decide what your day looks mm -hmm. like, right? You don't have someone else emailing you and stacking things on your desk saying what you're going to do. And so I really loved that space in my life, that space to create, to meet other people, like-minded people, and to really just grow the business. 
So that was a really big high for me. Um, this, I think another was just growing the brand, right? So, you know, it's one thing to say you're good at baking or you make a good whatever you make. For me, you know, we were talking about mm -hmm. toffee earlier. Mm -hmm. um, it's another to have your brand validated by other people. So one of the highs for me, another high for me, and this was huge. Um, there's a scripture that says, let another man praise you and not yourself. And I, I really try to live that mantra, meaning you don't boast yourself. You let other people do that for you, right? So there's a, that humility. And so for me, it was so awesome to have people email me, like some of the testimonials that I got when I ran my business about the chocolates. And when I ran the business, I did a lot of custom events, custom chocolates for a corporate gifting. Like everything was custom um, for clients. And I loved creating for people. Like I just, for me, it was such a great way to serve and to create things that were unique um, that would allow people's events or their weddings or their special event to stand out, to make them look good. And so then to get those testimonials after, it was like, not only did they look good, but everyone enjoyed you know, the chocolate or whatever. And so for me, that was a high to be able to master the craft, but then have other people enjoy it. Um, and I would say the third high, I mean, there were a lot of other highs. I think the third one really ties into it. And for me, it really was always about service. Again, I came from a background in nonprofit and philanthropy. And so while I sold chocolate and it was make a living, I, I there were a lot of things that I did around donating and working with nonprofits and working in my community and just being able to serve people and make people happy and bring joy to people face, people's face. When I, um, I did have a storefront and just sort of having my regular customers come in after a rough day at work or on their weekend, sort of being part of their lives that way, knowing that they were going to be happy when they left, that did something for me. And it's, and let, and I think people who are in service industries um, understand what I'm saying. I'm having a hard time articulating it, but the service part and bringing joy to people's lives really mattered to me. And I, I'm glad that I was able to find something that did that. You know, that actually raises a, a great question because I love how passionate you are and follow the things that you loved. And that's a big, beautiful thing about being a solo CEO. I've often heard the flip side tell, like, I love making chocolate and the people that I serve, I love serving them. But sometimes what they want is not what I want to, what I want to make. Right. And so sometimes you, you get that tension that people have when, when they're artists and they have a passion about something that, that you know, that contrast between art and commerce. Um, did you have the struggle with that? And how did you resolve that? I did. And and so, and a lot of solopreneurs are going to resonate with this. When you run your own business, people who love you have a lot of ideas. And I, a lot of my friends yeah. had tons of ideas for things that I could do. And I'm like, okay, do they know, like, I'm only sleeping like three or four hours a night. <laughs> um, and so, but, but what I tried to do was balance it, right? So there were obvious home runs that people loved. But because I was in a product-based business, um, even though I did serve, I could rotate things out seasonally. You can do seasonal items. You can do one-time specials, you know, based on what people like. So I would do things like that, you know, just kind of rotate in items that people liked. And, but then I also did custom. So if a customer wanted something that wasn't on the menu and they were willing to order enough of it, 
too. I did a lot of custom things that were not profitable at all, um, just because I had a hard time saying no. You know, can you can you make this for me? And it'd be like, okay, um, because I loved baking and I love making chocolate. So you know, that was kind of the compromise between the creative part and then the things that weren't really good sellers, but you have a handful of people who really like them. Yeah, yeah. But now you know what. I know we've and you've talked a lot about your chocolate business, but that also that service piece, it it is a is the common thread from one of your roles to each one of your your um, stops on your journey. Because now, as the financial advisor, that is a service. As, there's a service aspect to that as well. So, Ramona, I know you talk about the service aspects of what you were doing in your chocolate business, but there's that common thread between all of the things that you've done on your journey. How is that really playing itself out with you as a financial advisor? It's huge because the ability to be able to relate to people um, get them to trust you. I mean, we all know talking about money is often taboo, right? People are very guarded when it comes to talking about their personal finances. And I work with a lot of women who often carry a lot of guilt and shame about past financial decisions. So that service element in what I do now is essential. People are not going to do business. And this is true no matter what your business is. People don't do business with people they don't like and people they don't trust. And when you're talking about money, um, whether you you know, no matter what your service is, people are paying you for a service. Um, it really matters how you make them feel. Do you understand their concerns? Do you understand, you know, what's important to them? So that service element and what I do now is critical. Otherwise, I don't have clients. I don't have a business, um, you know, and I've, I work with a number of people who leave their advisors because of poor service. He didn't listen to me. She, you know, she didn't respond to me. I asked a question, they never got back to me or they talked down to me. You know, they were very condescending. I asked the question and they made me feel stupid. So how you treat people really matters no matter what your business, but especially in the service-based business. And I think that's, that's important that people don't understand. You may have that one specialty but no matter what, you got to share it out with the universe. And no matter what you're doing, people need to be able to understand exactly what's going on. So out of all of all of the things that you've done, what are some of your critical learnings? Some of the three lessons that you would say, hey, if I shut down today, these are three things I know for sure as a business owner. Get everything in writing everything in writing. I mean, I can't say I can't say I'm old enough to be part of the handshake generation, you know, where people would do things on a handshake and a, a verbal promise. But I do believe your word is everything. But I've learned in business, people don't keep their word. And maybe it's intentional. Sometimes it may not be for, you know, due to unforeseen circumstances, get everything in writing. If you're contracting your marketing person, if you're working with an attorney, I don't care who it is. Um, but as a business owner, if you're hiring people to do things for your business, for your brand, get it in writing. And the biggest lesson for me was with my contractor when we built out my retail store and production facility. We had a written agreement about what it was going to cost, and but it was a verbal agreement on the time frame, and oh, it wow. was a nightmare 
Oh, it wow. was really a nightmare to get him to finish. And it was just, it, there were just a lot of awful things about that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm so much smarter now, if I ever deal with a contractor again, I know how to handle that situation so that, you know, I don't lose money and you keep them on, on track. So just get everything in writing. That was a big lesson mm-hmm. learned for me, especially when you're dealing with contractors of any sort. Um, the other is stay on top of your finances. Mm-hmm. Finances. Now, what a lot of people didn't know, because people ask, hey, Ramona, how did you go from making chocolates to being a financial advisor? That's like a real big leap. I actually worked with the same advisor for 20 years who lives in Chicago, and he had such a profound influence on my financial life. That was one of the reasons I actually came into the industry is because I really wanted to pay forward what he did for me. And so even when I ran my business, I had an advisor who was helping me think about taxes and who met with my CPA, you know, like he was Mm -hmm. still on top of me as a business owner. And so even when I wasn't always on top of my um, business uh, finances, because there were times where like, especially busy season, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to reconcile my books this week. I'm going to do it next week. or I'm going to do it at the end of the month. Don't do it. Like no matter how tired you are, stay on top of your books. Know what you bring in, know what you spend out, know what your expenses are, know what's profitable for you. If you're in a product-based business, know what your profitable items are. Um, If you're in a service-based business, if you're selling subscriptions or different packages, know what the profitable items are. And I'm not saying you won't ever do the non-profit, the unprofitable ones. You might, because again, it may be that special of the month or a handful of clients who really need the service of the product, but at least know what it's costing you and know that if you're, you do what you need to do on your profitable items, that you can still make up you know, the difference. So just be on top of your financials. I, I work with business owners or, as clients who they come to me, they haven't filed taxes. They're afraid. Oh, wow. Oh, I haven't done my business taxes in five years. I'm like, oh. and then they, but then they want a line of credit. I'm like, <laughs> but, we saw, but we saw this last year, right? How many, mm-hmm. how many businesses, right? How many businesses run mm-hmm. by people of color couldn't qualify for PPP loans because they didn't have the financial statements. I mean, just really mm. basic things that they didn't have that as a business owner, you should have. If you don't have financial statements, you are not running a business. That's right. I mean, I just, you just, you have to do it. Um, if you can't do it yourself, you know, there are a lot of accountant and bookkeepers out there, accountants and bookkeepers, you know, that don't charge a lot to just do your monthly books for you. So I just, that is a huge, huge lesson because I think it's it's really easy to fall in love with the craft, whatever your specialty is, and to say, I'll get to that. Um, yeah. From the beginning, start separate bank accounts. Don't co-mingle the funds, you know, do your, run your statements. Um, that's the best way to build business credit. So stay on top of your money. Go ahead, Marilyn. Now, let me ask you really quick. Because you, like you said, you had a, a financial advisor and you stuck with your financial advisor for over 20 years. Tara and I just talked about just uh, the other day about we got a guy where, where we are able to find resources where you depend on. How did you find your financial advisor? How did you find the people that helped you, even though the, the um, contractor wasn't the ideal partner? How did you find these folks? 
So I'll answer how I found my advisor. That was God. I mean, I think that's how I find most people. Like there are certain <laughs> people in your path and certain experiences that lead you mm-hmm. to the right person um, or the right experience. Because sometimes it's not the right person. Like the contractor wasn't the right person, but he was the right experience, if you know what I mean. Because I learned a yeah. lot and it cost mm-hmm. me a lot. So that was the experience I needed to have to be able to share with others so they don't have to go through the pain that I went through, you know, in building out a facility. But with my, my, my advisor, I met him. I had gotten it. Um, I had filled out something with American Express at the time. They were American Express financial advisors and about wanting to learn more about investing. And I was invited to this dinner um, in Greektown. I was living in Chicago. And there were these advisors, you know, doing this presentation. He picked my name. Like you fill out the card, oh, wow. he picked my name. And so again, I can't take any credit. But when I met him, and this is something about me, um, when I meet people, I can, I do have a fairly discerning spirit and we just connected. Like, so, you mm-hmm. know, when you meet someone, there's something about, there's a spark, there's some way that you connect and you instantly trust that person and you feel like you can trust that person. Follow those instincts. Um, Cause nine times out of 10, you know, they're going to be right. So the other thing that really connected was the first time I met with him, we closed down his office. Like I remember his office was like at Dearborn station in Chicago. And he had spent so much time with me that they were turning out the lights. And I thought, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, they, he was like, okay, Ramona, we have to go. But, but it, was a, it was a testament to two things. One, we connected. Two, he heard me. He heard my questions. He heard my challenges. And, and he spent time. And that mm-hmm. for me was everything. And I was young in my career. I didn't have a lot of money. I still had like student loan debt, credit card debt. I was very young in my, my career in philanthropy. But that he had spent the time and he I left feeling like, wow, I like him. This and so and I was never gonna leave him ever. Like, you know, it just I would meet a lot of advisors. And I'm like, they just wasting their time because mm-hmm. I knew what I had in him in terms of the I feel like he made an investment in me as a person and as a professional. And so it made it easy for me with everything. You know, the first time I bought a home, when I wanted to buy a new car, he would look over my benefits, help me, you know, decide when I needed to do a conversion. When I ran my business, he met my CPA. Like we went and had breakfast and it was so awesome. Like sitting on the other side of the table, watching the two of them decide, well, okay, if she needs more capital, she can take money from here or she could do this. And this is how it's going to affect her taxes. And I thought, how great is that? Right. That the two money men in my life are sitting down looking at making sure that I'm going to be okay. So that's how I found him. And then in terms of other professionals, you know, I would say networking and referrals are really important. So people that you trust refer people that they trust. So be open to meeting other people. One of the other big lessons learned, and it wasn't on my list, but I had to learn how to ask for help. Mm -hmm. I was raised by a mom who was very independent, who taught us to be very independent, but also that asking for help is kind of a sign of weakness. Like you don't Mm -hmm. want to be indebted to anyone. And it took me, that was a really big lesson learned as a business owner, that it's okay to ask for help. And to be articulate and very specific about the kinds of help that you need. Um, I'm always willing to help somebody else. But when it was time for me to help somebody, you know, someone to help me, it's kind of like, no, no, I'm okay. I got it. You know, and then it was like, girl, no, you don't. (laughs) 
you know, like you need help. Mm-hmm. And and my friends, I think it was it was a lot easier to help my get my family, you know, to help me first, and then you know friends. But then you know people, strangers now, like who offer to make introductions or who offer to do things. I was like, okay, it's okay. Like it is okay to need yeah. and ask for help and to receive it. Like it's not a sign of weakness. It's not a sign that there's something wrong with you. Like it's just how the world works. Like people need people. And it just, it took me a long time to figure that out. And I don't want other solopreneurs and solo CEOs to struggle with that. Don't let pride get in your way. When you need help and people who are willing to help you, take it. Well, you know, so much of being a solopreneur is mindset, right? Like you spend a lot of time thinking about the the mechanisms behind running a business, but mindset is, is a huge piece. You know, the shift between I'm an independent woman, I don't need no help to, you know, I'm willing to open for help. So there's another mindset shift though that that um, people struggle with. And it's, it's the fact that I can evolve. You had three different careers, like having your identity as I, I, I'm the chocolate woman um, and then saying, you know what, it's time for me to to shift and I, I, I have another dream that I want to pursue. How did you, like, how did you make that mindset shift to do that? So the last one was harder. Um, moving from philanthropy to chocolate was a much sexier story, right? It was just like, oh, the PhD who starts a chocolate business. Like that was a much easier, cooler story to sell. And yes, I was the chocolate lady for eight years. Like seriously, that's what people called me. So moving from that to financial services was, a, you know, that mindset, that shift was a little different. One, because I, I, I and even though I, was a minority and chocolate. I still ran my own business. I didn't feel like it, but most chocolatiers are not women and they're not black. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, I'm going to be honest. And coming into financial services, it was um, really more noticeable, you know, being in the room when you are the only one and honestly just, you know, feeling like an elephant, like seriously, like an elephant. And it took a while, it was a lot, like a lot of journaling and a a lot of, you know, connecting, a lot of learning. Um, Fortunately, I was in an environment that was very supportive, um, you know, even in sort of being the only one, just still working with people who were really supportive supportive and sincere and collaborative, you know, in terms of my success. So in that sense, I'm very happy, but, but it, it definitely is, it, it definitely was a mind, it was a mindset. And I would say a mind shift to just sort of closing my business and then working under a corporate umbrella. There were a lot of things I was happy about, you know, not doing payroll, like all the things I hated doing in my business, you know, not doing payroll, not managing the website anymore, all the operation stuff. It was like, oh, they have a form for that. I don't have to create it. Like this is fantastic. So so there was, there was a reverse appreciation. I know a lot of people who leave corporate America, they are like, I wanna do everything on my own. For me, coming back, it was I was happy to not have to do a lot of things on my own. But mindset is important. I think no matter what you do, um, the sort of belief in self, and that's I think that's a daily. I don't want to say a daily struggle, but I think it's a daily exercise that we as, especially if you're a woman, if you're a person of color. Um, I think it's no matter what your industry. I think it's it, there's always something that's going to come up in your life to make you think you can't, you shouldn't, mm-hmm. you don't. And so the mindset of I can, I will, I should always has to be with us. 
I, 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 maybe I should just speak for myself. I don't know that others listening will feel that way, but I know I feel that way. Um, but there always has to be something to remind me of the positive because there's just so much negative in the news on social media, you know, and yeah. in other circles. So that sort of the positive mindset is important. I think just in life, whether you run a business or not. Mm-hmm. Now, Ramona, when you, you talk about the mindset and how sometimes you walk in the room in all of your, your different careers, and a lot of times you're the only one, what motivates you to keep going? What key, what's, that, what's the drive behind that? Okay, so, so this is very spiritual. Like for me, I may look like the only one, but I know who I bring with me. So, and I just, there, I pray a lot. And they're just in terms of like walking in faith and just really trusting that in every role I've ever had that I'm in God's purpose for me. Like, I really trust that even when it's hard, even sometimes I don't get it. I'm like, okay, I trust I'm supposed to be here until I'm not. And Mm -hmm. so that for me is huge. Just trusting that I'm walking in my purpose at that point in time. And that whenever that journey is going to shift, whenever that road is going to turn somewhere else, that he's going to let me know. Okay, Ramona, like you've done this in this season and now it's time for you to do this. And, and that's something that I, I, it's just in me. It's, it's, not, it's um, not a muscle I spend a lot of time building because it's just sort of who I am. Like, and I am one of those people when it's time to move on, I don't look back on relationships, on jobs. Like I just, I don't look back. I'm like, okay, whatever I was supposed to get, I got. And now I got to move on to the next thing. I got to bring whatever lessons learned, whatever relationships, whatever, you know, whatever it is, I need to now harness that to prepare me for the next thing. So even in circles, when I'm the only one, I still trust that I'm in my purpose, that I'm in that room because God has me in that room to do something, to say something, to hear something. And I just trust that. Wow. That's a, that, that is a, a really good piece of advice. Like, I love when you said, I don't look back, just keep moving forward. And too often we find where people continue to try and second guess themselves. Like you said, you follow your gut and then you can't spend any time because as you're running your business, you're moving really fast. Tell me what was a lesson you learned the hard way though? Okay, and just for the record, I second guess myself too. I do. Like, even though I say I don't look back, it's like, well, I wonder if I had. And it's like, well, everything turned out the way it was supposed to. Um, So there were a couple of lessons I learned the hard way. Um, You know, when I talked about getting everything in writing, I trusted people with money and situations and people stole from me. And that was hard. Like, I just, the whole stealing of money, I don't get. Like, I just don't get that. Um, And so that was a hard thing for me and in some ways handicapped me. Like there was someone who I asked for help who stole from me, which left me in a not so good financial situation. It just left me with a bigger, um, I owed a creditor more than I should have and double. And that, that hurt. And that really, that really, it hurt and it sucked. And it was like, but that, you know, lesson learned, right. You, you know, so that, that was, that was tough. So the the sort of, you know, being careful with money and, and I had a whole bunch of other experiences that most people don't have. I was sued and 
was you know in litigation for two years and that was very costly and so just the whole getting things in writing um it wasn't only about that contractor i had some other experiences of where people made promises that did not bear true and that cost me both time and money um i think the other big lesson for me was about um, you know, we, we hear the saying, you know, people come into your life for, what is it, a reason, a season, yeah. a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes that talks about there's a time and a purpose for everything under the sun, right? There's a season. And I didn't learn this until after I closed my business, about a year after I closed my business, but that in our lives, we have seasons for everything. So we have seasons for relationships, we have seasons for professional roles, and we have seasons for our business. Like when I started my business, I thought I was going to be making chocolate until I was 75. You know, like I just in my life, I couldn't imagine anything else um, when I started, right? Because when you start, you just can't imagine doing anything else. And so I look back now and I think about the season of that iteration of the business was eight years. And if I had known starting out that it was gonna be eight years, I would have enjoyed it more. Because mm. there were there's seasons and there's a season in being a startup. And then there's a season when you're scaling your business. And then there's a season if you're in a business that's on autopilot, right? Where you're just kind of on cruise because it just runs mm-hmm. itself. Even that's in a season. But if I had known it was going to be eight years, there were a lot of things I would have done. I would have enjoyed it a lot more. Even the, the, the periods where it was really hard and I wasn't sleeping, like I was sleeping two hours a night because I was making chocolate 20 hours a day. Like I would have enjoyed that a lot more because I would have known that the season was finite. It wasn't as long as I thought it was going to be. And so my the big lesson for me is that everything has a season. And going in, we don't always know what it how long it's going to be but it feels like it's going to be forever when you're scaling your business and it's hard it feels like oh this is going to last a long time (laughs) right right (laughs) it doesn't it really doesn't and Mm -hmm. so i would just enjoy the season even when it's hard and that's what i tell myself now my financial services practice and my you know business as a financial advisor even when it's hard you know when you think you're going to get that client who just you don't hear back from three months and or whatever it is like enjoy mm-hmm. the season because i don't know how long it's going to last and that that's one that was the biggest lesson i think i took away from running my chocolate business like that that is huge right yeah and, and and i can only imagine like so much when we talk about being solo ceos it's it's a combination of of building a business however whatever that means to you but also the quality of life that you're living right and and so enjoying the season really speaks to like wherever you are you still get to to have some enjoyment out of that practically what does that look like right because because when when i am on negative two hours of sleep and i'm covered in chocolate from head to toe um, and you say, you know what, just enjoy this moment. I, I have some, probably some choice words that come to mind because I'm so stressed out, right? So, so when you, like now when you, you're in your rough times, what do you do that helps you kind of remember your present moment, enjoy it? So I, I am a routine person. I'm, I am very much type A. I'm probably now type A minus. Like I think the business softened me up a little bit. But so I, I do need some routines. So one of the things I do every day, um, when I wake up, I read. Um, before I get out of bed, I read. And I, I read the Bible because I need something to ground me 
like the world is crazy around us. There are all these things like you put on the news, forget about it. You feel like we're doomed. So I always read something to keep me grounded, to keep me optimistic, to keep me, um, you know, happy and just, you know, to not fly off the handle the first negative thing happens. I journal. So I started journaling um, when I near the end of my business and just to get things out of my head, because I felt like I had so many things in my head, right, that you want to remember or tell people. So I started journaling. Um, and so I have morning routines and I work out every day. Um, so I work out six days a week. And so that by the time I get to work and I start work, like no matter what happens, I've done everything that I needed to do for me. Wow. You know what? That it is- took a while to get there, though. Wow. <laughs> because. It sounds like you've done a, work, a full day's work before you got to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a lot. I mean, on, and, you know, on a tight morning, it's a 30 minute, you know, mm-hmm. um, if I have a leisurely morning, I can read for hours, you know, at least 45 minutes to an hour. But until I get the thing that my spirit feels good about, like I try to find something I can lock in on. You know, just something that I can remember throughout the day. But it took me a while to get there. When I was running my business, I would at least try to do some, I would read. So I I couldn't do everything in the sequence that I have it now. I'd stopped working out because I was literally in the shop 20 hours a day. My friends would come to the shop to see me because I was missing all the girls' nights, dinners, and, you know, all of that. Um, but I still read. So I would still read, and I would still talk to my friends. Like, I could, there were still things that I could do. I would, you know, I talked to my mom every day. Um, so there were still certain things that I, I could do, um, you know, and then I started the journaling. So I could read and journal. Um, and then I remember one year, the New York Times did, like, this 30-day workout challenge, and it was, like, really, like, five minutes a day. So I started doing that, you know, I was like, okay, I could take five minutes to walk around the office in the shop or, you know, you could run in place. So I, you know, slowly but surely I started adding, you know, the routines, but, but I, I, I wasn't there like, so, and, and I would make trade-offs like earlier in the business, when I was growing the business, I would trade off sleep for working out. Cause I needed to work out. Like I, that was like, I needed to be at the gym. So I, I could go to bed at two, be up at five and be at the gym at five 30. But then I got to the point where I was scaling the business where I couldn't do that. I needed sleep more than, so I I think part of it is knowing, knowing what grounds you, what centers you for some people, you know, for mothers, it may be just time with their children for, you know, people who are married, I'm single. It may be, you know, time with your partner. So different people need different things to ground them. So just, I would say, you know, just know what those things are and then, you know, add one, so often you've got that one mastered at another, you know, until you get to the point where you have a routine. Some people are not morning people. They, I have a friend who works out after work, um, you know, so just making sure, you know, it, it may be what you need. It comes at the end of the day. You know what I mean? For me, I need it at the beginning. My friend, she needs it at the end. So just kind of know your own biorhythm, like, you know, what time of day you need it and then know what the it is and, and build from there. Man, I, I'm taking notes on this. Right. It's like that's that's super important because when you talk about just continuing to stay in your spirit and, and recharge, clearly you're you are starting your day off on a high, usually with your reading and your working out. And so I commend you on that, Tara. So next time, Tara, you talk to me. Oh Lord. Is that, is, is that the promise you're making? 
So I'm not listening. making any promises. <laughs> listeners, she, you know, I now have, Ramona, you are now a witness. I, I now can harass her on a daily basis about what she did and didn't do. That's the permission she just gave me, I heard. By that time, listen, by the time you talk to me, Ramona will have done her workout, read about two hours, been in the office for about two hours, and you'll be calling me asking me, are you up yet, lady? All right. I'll be like, like Ramona be done made some chocolate on the side. I mean, like, yes. By the time I get around to calling you, that's fair. No, but but let me reiterate though, it took a while to get there. My friends, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna be honest. I when I was in the throes of you know the shop and really burning out. So the reason I could say that now is because I burned out. I experienced burnout and it was terrible. I had gained weight. I was not healthy. Like I had some, you know, um, physical issues, like real physical issues that because I wasn't eating healthy, like there were a lot of things that had deteriorated in my life. Um, not working out, not eating healthy. I was eating cupcakes for breakfast because I was in the kitchen all the time. I was like, well, I don't have time to go get something to eat. And so I wasn't eating healthy. And I, you know, I remember there was a Thai place across the street that would deliver. But other than that, I mean, I just, it just got to the point where I really wasn't taking care of myself. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating healthy. I, I mean, it was bad. And so I don't want people, somebody listening, this is, I'm talking to somebody who's listening right now, who's in that space. Mm -hmm. They're not sleeping. They're really stressed out. And you think if I just get over this hurdle, it'll get better. It doesn't like you really have to be intentional. And it took a friend actually who helped me. And she said something to me, one of my really dear friends, close friends, after I closed, she said something to me that I didn't get at the time where she's like, you know, there was a level of suffering that you, you know, before you closed your business. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't thought about that. Would I, had I struggled? Absolutely. I don't know that I would have used the word suffering, but when she said it, I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. there was. And so I don't want anyone listening who may be moving from struggling to suffering. Don't stop, put a pen in it and figure out how to go in the opposite direction. So that's huge. You know, and I like I want I want to reiterate like even the strongest of us go through burnout. Like we can get in those spaces, and you can pull yourself back out of it. There is no shame in it, um, and it happens to, in a lot more stories than I think anyone cares to even discuss. Um, and Ramona is, is proof positive that you can pull yourself out of it um, and, and triumph on the other side. That's phenomenal. So you know, one of the things that we believe very heavily in. And, and with the solo CEOs community is supporting each other, right? And you have just poured so much into us. We would love to support you. What are so, like, what is some way that we all could support you? How can we help? I can't really think of anything. I mean, honestly, I like meeting people and I like connecting with people. So if any, if any of what I said resonates with people who are starting their business or, you know, ramping up or just not sure of next steps. Like I have transitioned careers twice. Um, You know, I am a walk, you know, just kind of walk in faith and not by sight person. That's just sort of trust. So, you know, people who might need a little courage, like just whatever I just, if anyone wants to connect with me, um, just please feel free, you know, to do that. You can find me on LinkedIn, but I, at this point, I can't really think of, 
a specific need you know, that I have, um, you know, either in my financial practice and every once in a while people are like, are you going to start making chocolate again? I think about that. <laughs> I do. I think about it mostly because I miss that space that I talked mm-hmm. about. I miss being in the kitchen, putting on music and just making truffles. Um, I don't miss being exhausted, but if, if I can find a way of bringing that back as a healthy hobby. And when I say healthy hobby, meaning that I don't get consumed by it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't consume me. I can do it once a month and have fun. You know, I might do that. But, you know, other than that, I just would love to be part of your community. Like if if there's a way that you guys continue to think of me and involve me in events, and if there's any way that I can support others who are part of your community, that would be help enough for me. That sounds wonderful. Are you, are you accepting new clients? So yes, I am taking new clients and I do a complimentary consultation. So if someone just wants to, you know, just kind of get some things out of their brain, get a second opinion, maybe you're working with someone, you're not sure you're in the right financial situation. Um, just, you know, anything like that, um, I'd more, be more than willing to, to listen. That's usually what I do, just listen and ask a lot of questions. So absolutely. Nice. Wonderful. How can people find you? The best place to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, I, if you're, I'm not active on a lot of other social. I do have Facebook and Instagram, but I, I rarely, rarely touch, tech, check them. But LinkedIn's a great way for people to reach me, Ramona Thomas. I think it might be Ramona S as in Sam Thomas yeah. on LinkedIn. You can email me, like just anything, connect with me, whatever. Like I, that's probably the best place for people to reach me. And Tara, we'll have Ramona's information in this session description as well. So yep, people in the show can notes. find you there in the show notes. Yeah. Now, Ramona, you have answered this. Well, I'm going to ask you again, but I think you've already answered. Are We always ask, because it's always about my work, my way, even when we play. And so what ways do you play outside of your reading and your working out? And once in a while making chocolates for yourself? So I used to travel. Um, and this okay. is how, again, going back to where I was in that that tough, like that state of my business. I So years ago, um, over two decades ago, I promised myself every year I was able, you know, financially and time-wise, I would travel to a new place. And so I've traveled to, you know, five continents. So I love traveling and I'm looking forward to doing that in 2022. I'm okay kind of laying low for the rest of this year to kind of see how things work out with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really excited to go back to, to South America and the Caribbean. So I, I love traveling. Um, I spend a lot of time with my family. I moved back to New York. I, my, after I closed my business, I left Chicago and it's been great to spend more time with my family. So I play, we, we, we cook dinner every Friday. Like I just enjoy spending time with them, um, walking with my dad, hanging out with my mom. We binge watch you know, shows on Netflix and things, just regular people things. Um, I'm trying to get a little more active outside. So I'm having my bike fixed and I really want to spend some time riding my bike this summer. And then I, I'm, I'm a foodie. I, I just love spending time with people um, mm. when I'm able. So however that makes sense with whoever I'm spending time. So whether it's coffee or lunch, usually dessert. I love trying cafes and ordering chocolate, still eat a lot of chocolate um, in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, I would have never guessed you like dessert. Oh yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so, so that's kind of how I play with family and friends, you know. Um, I, and I, again, I'm looking forward to to international travel again, and um, and that's it. Well, that's a lot 
that is a lot. And you have given us a ton of information. Tara, I'm about to cough. So will you please share the rest while I cough? <laughs> The organic, organic type of conversation, conversation is what we have. Uh, Ramona, thank you so much for joining us. This has been phenomenal. Everyone, I want to echo what Ramona said. Get, get on LinkedIn, connect with her, connect with us, right? So Marilyn and I, the solo CEOs, we are the solo CEOs on, on all the social medias. Stop by our website. Right now is the Solo CEO Summit. New one coming soon. Um, but come to the, come to our website to, to see Guru Talks, and we've got other, other other conversations like this and other resources. Stay connected, like you know, like Ramona said, our community is so important. We all need help, and for whatever the next phase of Ramona's career, our careers, or your career, we are here for it. Thanks for stopping by, and talk to you soon. Bye, and I'm not coughing. Thank God. <laughs> Thank you again for having me. This was incredible. This was fun. Bye, y'all. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the solo CEOs, please share this podcast with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest, you can follow us on LinkedIn or Instagram at the solo CEOs or stop by our website for videos, resources, and other great stuff. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.